Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. This morning as we're thinking about his love, we think about what he did on the cross and what the word says about that. And this morning as we take communion together, I want you to just think about how much God loves you this morning and what Jesus did, the sacrifice that he did, the sacrifice that he gave us. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we thank you this morning. And Father, we just thank you this morning, Lord, for Jesus. And Jesus, we, we thank you this morning for what you did on the cross, your body that was broken for us. Broken that we might be healed, that we might be whole. So, Lord Jesus, this morning we do this to remember you. As you told your disciples, you said, take, eat, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blood that was shed for us, that was spilled out on that cross and on that hill. And it was spilled out on the altar of God as the perfect final sacrifice. Lord, that we no longer have to spill the blood of animals, but that Jesus became that ultimate sacrifice. And through the blood, we're delivered and set free. And we thank you for that from all sin, sickness, and disease. And this morning, we do this in remembrance of you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, we think about his love, as he said, and how in, in that word reckless, that he just abandoned everything to give us his love. He does that every day, still today. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Let's maybe seated, and we do let's say, let's lift up all those that are out. There's several that are out, the sick, and then we've got the, the youth. As, as Darren said, that are headed back this way today from their retreat. We pray that they did, I believe they had a great time, spiritually and physically, hopefully, and I believe so. Last week, I spoke on water-walking faith and how, that, how we do that and how that, that, what that means to us. And I was going to go a total different direction, and the Lord changed my mind, so I'm going to talk about strong faith this morning, and probably next week too, because I don't know that I'll get through this whole thing this morning. But um, how do we have strong faith? Do we have strong faith? Is our faith strong? You know, we talk about strength because we know that if we don't have any strength, we can't do things, right? If we don't keep our strength up, we can't pick things up. We can't walk. We can't talk. We can't do all those things. And then we don't, and so what we do is we feed ourselves, right? Food to keep strong. And then we exercise. If it's just by the way you work, what you do, you know, whatever. So we're going to talk about strong faith this morning. And it, it, it entwines the spirit of faith inside of it. So I want to read 1 Thessalonians 3, 7 to you this morning. It says, so we have been greatly encouraged in the midst of our troubles and suffering. Dear brothers and sisters, 
because you have remained strong in the faith. So it says that, and that, that Paul's saying, we've been greatly encouraged in the midst of all the stuff that's going on around us. And part of it's because of the faith of the Thessalonians, because you have remained faithful. You have remained strong in your faith. You know, that's important, not for ourselves to remain strong, but for those around us. People look at us and, and see how strong our faith is. And we can just talk, big talk about faith or whatever, but if we're not doing it, then people look at us and, you know, they need to be strengthened. We need to be encouraging to those around us. Encourage them in our walk of faith will encourage their walk of faith. Amen? Especially those who are more mature or who have been Christians for a long time. We need to be examples. Amen? We need to be examples to those around us. And so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to read verse 3 and 4 to start with. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given. So, again, Paul's talking about he does these things for us so that we can be examples to other people. So that when we're comforted, they can be comforted. And when they're troubled, they will be given the same comfort that we have because they have seen how we conduct ourselves as Christians. How we walk by faith. How we walk in faith. How we stand strong in faith. And then in 2 Corinthians, same chapter in verses 8 through 10, it says, We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, that the trouble we went through in the province of Asia, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. You know, it says we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we'd never live through it. It was rough. Amen? And they even expected to die. But what happened? They stopped relying on themselves. They stopped relying on who they were and started relying on who God is. And it said God raises the dead. So, you know, when we can get our hearts and our minds focused on the right thing in perspective, looking to Jesus, looking to God, you know what can happen? What will happen is, like you said, they, he, they were rescued from the danger. Instead of being overwhelmed and engulfed in it, where that, that's where they were going, then they stopped. You know, it's kind of like if you're doing something and things just aren't going right, and you stop and say, wait a minute, I need to do something different. Because all I'm doing is getting deeper and deeper in it, right? Uh, say if it was debt, you're just getting deeper and deeper in debt. Well, then you need to change what you're doing because something's not right. Are, are, are you driving and you're getting in the mud and, you know, you need to change what you're doing. We were in, in uh, Nicaragua a few weeks ago. We were driving down this road, and it got worse and worse, didn't it? it and it was like mud, and we're like, oh. Then we realized we're going the wrong way, and we need to do something different. So we end up being able to turn around and go the other direction. So, 
And it says at the end of that, we have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to what? Rescue us. God is continually rescuing us. It's just kind of like you have to reach out and say, grab me. Here I am. So one thing we need to know about faith, faith faith does not prevent trouble. Right? Trouble's coming. Paul said it. Jesus said it. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. But faith is your response to it. How do you respond to that trouble? Do you just sink down in it? Do you say, well, I'm having trouble. I'm just going to quit. No. Faith, the kind of faith you had is your response to it. And, you know, walking by faith, it doesn't mean, it doesn't assure that you won't ever be challenged, you won't ever be pressed, you won't ever be pushed, or you won't ever be tempted. It's your response to it. It's how you respond to it. It's how... It's how you are versed in the Word. It's how you know what God says about your situation. And listen to this statement. The answer to death within yourself is to stop relying on yourself. You know, if you're relying on how smart you are and what you can do, what you can't do, and it's easy to do that, you know, especially when you've done things for a long time. Well, I'll just keep doing it the way I'm doing it, and then it doesn't work out. And you're, you're not willing to hear God. You're not willing to hear what God has to say about it, or you don't even stand up in faith. You don't think about it. Um, as, as they were saying that um, in, in the 2 Corinthians, the ninth verse in the New King James, it says, Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. In other words, they, and in the New Living, as we're reading, it said, we expected to die. In other words, things were so bad. <laughs> we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God who raises the dead. So, instead of dying within yourself, and, and this, you know, they, this could be physically, this could be spiritually, this could be mentally, within yourselves in other words before you just die and quit you need to start relying on God and not on yourself and not what you can do we have to rely on what God's word says not us amen get your eyes and your focus off of you because there are times you're going through things you cannot do it yourself right there's no way You know, anybody, no matter who you are, can be pushed to the point where you think you just can't go any further. Right? Anybody can be pushed to that point. I just don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I can. I mean, how many times have we come to that in our minds? I mean, this is tough. And we don't want to push anymore, but we have to keep pushing. But if we can rely on God... We can rely on his word and begin to think about him and what he has to say. You know what? We can push forward. We can still do it. But we can't do it within our own selves. We have to um, remember that we rely on God. We rely on his. That's why it's important that you know what his word says. So you can pull those things out of the word. Because it's, it's the father in you or the father in me that does the works. It's not me. I can't do it. But when I allow God to do it through me, then it can be done. Right? 
And you know, it said in verse 10 that they, he said that he rescued us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. In other words, he's done it once, he's going to do it again. And he's going to keep on doing it. And it says, we have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. It's not about being strong within yourself. It's about being strong in the Lord. Strong in him and who he is. This is how Paul said he did it. Right? He said, this is what we did. We, we were overwhelmed. We, were over, we felt overwhelmed. We felt up to here in it. We felt all this stuff. And then we had to pull out and realize, hey, we got to quit relying on ourselves. We've got to rely on God. And you know what? That re it requires a lot of us looking at what God has to say, our learning to hear his voice so he can say, this is how you do it, or this is how you get through this situation. You're doing it the wrong way. You're trying it the wrong way. God will get us through it now, and he'll get it through us tomorrow, and he has gotten us through it in the past. If we can just look and see how he's done it. And we can't depend on ourselves. We have to depend on him. If we depend on our own thinking, our own understanding, our own uh, abilities, then we're not going to make it all the time. We have to depend on him. We're not independent. We're completely dependent on God. Amen. We're not independent of him. We're not independent of his, independent of his ways. We're not independent of his word. You know what? And we can't just walk into the hospital and say, I'm going to lay hands and every person here is going to get healed because it don't work that way. Right? We, we, we can only do what God tells us to do. And if God tells you to go to that hospital and lay hands on sick, guess what? You better do it. And he will do what he says. But so many people think, well, I'm just going to go do this. And I'm just going to do, do this because I feel like I can. Or before I've seen it happen, I've seen other people do it. You can't do that. You have to rely on what God says to do. You have to be in tune with him and with his spirit and listen and say, you know what, Lord, you direct me. You show me where to go. You show me who to lay hands on. And when we do, he'll, he, you know, <laughs> he'll do it. But I, our faith has to be strong. We have to be, have, you know, you got to have strong faith to walk out sometimes and do what God's asked you to do. Maybe speak to a person. Maybe say something to a person. Maybe lay hands on a person. You got to be strong in him. Your faith has to be strong in here. That's why we realize the f that it's him and us that does the works. It's not us. If that were so, then we wouldn't even need him. We wouldn't need the word. We could just walk around doing it. And unfortunately, some people try to do that. It don't work. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.13 says, And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. So we speak according to what is written not according to what we think. Amen? We speak to a situation because of what's written in his word, what's written on our heart, what God says to do. We don't just speak. <laughs> it says, I, I, like, I believed and therefore I spoke. So we also believe and therefore In other words, you got to believe it first before you can speak it. 
you got to believe what God's Word says before you speak it. If you don't, then you're speaking it, and you don't really understand it, and you don't, you're really kind of in doubt. Well, I'm going to say this because I think that's what it's supposed to be. No, you better believe it first. You know, when we accepted Christ, we believed it, right? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he raised, was raised from the dead. I believe that he died for my sins. Amen? Amen? So, we believe and then we speak. We believe and then we speak. You don't speak and then believe. <laughs> you better believe first. You better have that settled in your heart. You better know what God's Word says about you and your situation. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. We are pressed on every side by troubles. So Paul, was, in the, when he wrote this, is in the middle of something, right? <laughs> it wasn't just somebody behind him, in front of him. It was right, left, back, angled, and everything else. He said, I'm pressed. We're pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. I'm glad he put that in there. Might be pressed on, but I haven't been crushed yet. I haven't been defeated. I haven't been taken down. I'm still going on and doing what God says for me to do. Even though I'm pressed on every side, even though I'm walking like this and everywhere I turn, there's something against me. You know what? If you keep walking, you're either going to run into it, push it out of the way, right? Something's going to happen, or you're going to let it crush you. But Paul said, we're not letting it crush us, even though on every side, but we're walking forward. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. We're not going to let disparity take us over. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. Right? Even though you're hunted down, even though the enemy is going after you, he's sending all the things he can, he's sending all his angels and everybody against you. It says we're knocked down, but we're not destroyed. You might get knocked down, you might get pushed down, but you're not destroyed. You get, you get up, they're still fighting you, right? You know, I've used this example a lot of times, a little bouncy thing that you hit, the kids hit, and it pops right back up. No matter how many times you hit it, it pops right back up, right? Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. So we're going through these things, but we're showing people, yeah, we have this coming against us, but there's life in us, right? The life of Jesus is seen in us. The life of Jesus is seen in us and bringing us out. So I want to take these verses and one of the parts of them one at a time, and we're going to talk about them. First of all, we are pressed on every side by troubles. See, what happens um, is that we're pushed, we're pressed on every side. So we're pushed, Right? We're pushed. And that word press, it means to push. Press means to be pushed. To act upon through steady pushing or thrusting force exerted in contact. If you ever played football, when you're trying to push the line out of your way, if you're playing offense and you're playing tackle or guard or whatever, what are you doing? You're pushing, you're trying to push those people out of the way, right? And they used to have, we used to practice had this big 
machine thing and it had pads on it and you hit it and they didn't want you to ever stop pushing and you tried to push that thing out of the way. You keep pushing. It says steady to act upon through steady pushing or thrusting force. And so whatever that is that's coming against us is trying its best to push. Amen? It's pushing us, pushing us, pushing us. But we have to resist. If you're on the defense side, then you're, you're, you're standing there and you're not moving. Right? If you've ever been, played that and you come up against somebody way bigger than you, you just push and push. And it's like, okay, I'm pushing, but I ain't doing me no good. I ain't going nowhere. And he's getting somewhere. So when we push again, we need to stand our ground in faith. Amen? And stand up and say, look, you ain't pushing me. You ain't knocking me down. And then another part of it is to be squeezed. To exert, squeezing means to exert pressure, especially on opposite sides of. You know, when you want to get the juice out of an orange or lemon or what do you do? You, we used to cut a hole in the oranges. I don't know if people still do that or not. Cut a hole in it and and get all the juice out of it and throw the rest of it away, right? So when you squeeze something, whatever is in it will eventually comes out if you squeeze hard enough, right? Now, if you just barely squeeze on it, you might get a little dribble. But we used to do that orange till it was just like about that big around, and we'd throw the rest away. So um, squeezing. When you squeeze something, there ain't anything in it that can come out that's not in it. Right? So if, if, if you're getting squeezed and Jesus is there and the Word of God is there and the Spirit of God, guess what's going to come out? That's what's going to come out. But if nothing but deceit, nothing but the world's ways are in there, that's what's coming out. Why did I say that? Because it was in there. Right? When I find myself, sometimes there are times when you just, something comes out and you're like, why did I say that? Because it was there somewhere. Right? It couldn't come out if it wasn't there. If you squeeze an orange, you will not get apple juice. I'm sorry. Right? You're going to get orange juice. When we were in Nicaragua this time, we stayed in a little place these nice people own, and we were the only ones there besides them. And they, um, every morning, they had fruit on their property. And they had a blender, and they would just throw all that in it and blend two or three juices together. And that's what we drank, and it was so good. Seemed to get better every day, didn't it, Daphne? It's like, this is a new one today. What's in this one? What's in that one? They just mixed all these juices, be like normally like about two or three. But whatever was in them, those, those, that fruit, that's what we tasted. That's what came out. You know, if they'd have stuck an onion in there, we'd have probably would not have liked it. I, especially me, you know, because I don't really like onions. So, squeeze. So, if you want, to, when you're squeezed, if you want something to come out good, you want to be victorious over it, guess what? You got to have inside of you. You got to have that strong faith. And that comes by meditating on the Word of God. That comes by exercising your faith. Every day. 
so it's squeezed. And one of, they said it's squeezed on opposite sides of. You can't just stand there and push it like that and nothing's going to come out, right? You got to squeeze it and it'll come out. We got it, that pressure is exerted. It says especially on opposite sides. You want to get it all out, you can't just squeeze one side of it. You got to squeeze both ways. Amen? And then the next part, it says it's influenced. To exert influence on. We have influences into our life today like probably never, ever before, right? All the things out there that influence us. All the things out there that come against us. And we have so much right in front of us with all the media and all that stuff today and technology. It's there all the time. And it's, it's up to you to allow the influence upon your life or not. So it's, that's why it's more, you, you need to have more of the Word in front of you, more of Jesus in front of you than you do the world so that the influence on you, whatever changes you, will be whatever influences you. You know, when you're raising kids, you certain things you don't want them to be around because it will influence in them. It will change their minds, right? Same thing with us. We need to be the same way. Just because we grew up don't mean we don't still be influenced by things. Don't think that even though you thought you would come to this place and you'd pass this and you still let it influence you, you'll get right back into it. Influence. Influence is big. We... are influenced by the things that we look at, the things that we see, the things that we hear, the things that we read, the things that we watch. It influences us. You know, we, we can be convinced that something's good. Commercials convince people, oh, I got to go out and try that because that's really good. You know, it's the same thing like, like a new restaurant comes to town and There'll be people like, man, it's just great, it's just great. And then you find, so I got to go, and you go, and you're like, well, that wasn't too good. <laughs> right? When it comes to food, everybody has their own opinions, right? Their own thinking of what it is good and what's not good. So we're, we're influenced. So there's a pushing, there's a squeezing, there's an influencing, and then it comes in, there's a persuasion. You know, finally you're persuaded. Right? You're finally persuaded to do it or not. In other words, there, there's all these, it's like steps from being pushed, being squeezed. You know, if you're pushing like in football, there's a point where if you get in the middle, you get trapped between, you're going to get squeezed, right? Push so hard, you squeeze. But there's persuasion. It's, it's a definition of persuasion. To move by means of pressure, to lay stress or emphasis on. So you're persuaded. You know how um, as you're coming up in life, say guys, you're, or girls too, you see a guy or a girl you like, you're going to do all you can to persuade them that you need to, they need to go out with you or whatever the case may be, Right? You're just like, gosh, man, what can I do to persuade them? You know, it used to be, I don't know about now, which people used to put on cologne to make them smell better. Well, that don't work with me because most of it makes me sneeze, so I don't care for it. But 
or, 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 you know, dress a certain way. You know, I'm going to change my hair. I'm going to dress a certain way. Cause, and then you kind of try to find out what they like. You're trying to persuade them that you're the one for them, right? When you first met um, your wife and you you like, man, that's the one for me. You, ha you had to do all you could to persuade them or husband, whichever, your spouse. You had to persuade them, right? If you'd have just stood back and said, well, you know, maybe one day they'll see me. Well, maybe not. So we need to, um, we can be persuaded by the things around us. That's why it's good to keep the right company, right? It's good to be in church together. It's good to be um, fellowshipping with other believers because that's a persuasion that can persuade you that this is the way I want to go. This is what I want to do. So we um, remember being pressed on every side is you being pushed, you're being squeezed, you're being influenced, and you're being persuaded. All these things take into effect and take into factor what's going on and how things work. So hopefully we get into the place where we're influenced, we're, we're persuaded, we're pushed, we're pressed, we're squeezed by the right things. And then when we allow uh, the Word of God to work inside of us, when we are pushed and pressed, the right thing will come out. And you know what? When the right thing comes out, the things that aren't right that are pushing against you, they're going to leave. All right? They're going to scatter. And, you know, and when they see that, well, we're doing all this. And so you've been, they, and Paul said, we've been pushed and squeezed and trying to be persuaded. And he said, but we are not crushed. In other words, one of the definitions of this word crushed is to squeeze a force by pressure so as to alter or destroy the structure. I've been pushed, Paul said, I've been pushed and I've been crushed and all this, but guess what? I haven't been altered. I haven't been destroyed. I'm still the same as I was when I went into it. Paul said, we're not giving up. We're not stopping. We're not being pulled back. We're not being altered. We're not being destroyed. The, 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 the word, the, the mission that God has called us on has not been changed by all the and see the enemy is constantly pushing constantly pressing constantly squeezing trying to influence and trying to persuade but we have to be in a place we're not crushed we're not altered we're not changed we have not allowed the pressure the King James says distressed distress means seizure and detention of the goods of another as pledge distressed we're not crushed what we have in us has not been removed has not been taken out amen they haven't seized the goods <laughs> and that's what the enemy's after he wants to seize your goods he wants to seize the good that God has put in you hallelujah Jesus thank you I want to say this. 
You can't control what comes against you, but you can control what gets inside of you. What you accept. What you allow to alter. What you allow to change. You can't necessarily control what's going to come against you. All these troubles. I'm sure Paul, if Paul and them could have controlled this, none of that would have come against them. But they couldn't. Because the enemy is constantly pounding. But you can control what you allow to change, what you allow to get on the inside of you. That's why I say we need to be letting the Word of God get on the inside of us and not the ways of the world. Because it will, it will try to change you if it doesn't change you. It will constantly be beaten against you. But it's going to come against you. Stuff's going to happen. Things are going to happen. And it's up to you to resist it. It's up to you to not allow it to change you. Hallelujah. Amen? Then he said, we are perplexed. <laughs> the word perplexed means to be at a loss to see and have no way out. To make unable to grasp something clearly or to think logically and decisively about something. So many people stop, but we're perplexed. This stuff's happened. I I'm just at a point where I just don't see no way out. Or any way out. You ever been to that point? You kind of just, in the flesh, you don't see a way out. Um, you can't grab a hold of it. You can't grab a hold of it. You're perplexed. You don't understand why it keeps happening. And a lot of people, this is their defeat. This is where they stop. This is where they're, they have allowed the enemy to come to them and push them at a point till they like... Uh, can't do anymore. Many people are defeated at this point. I will say if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we keep the word of God in our hearts. You know, if you get to that point, you need to go find somebody, right? A good brother or sister in the Lord and say, come on, you, you got to pray with me because I'm, I'm in a bad spot. Right? People get in bad spots. See, because the enemy holds them in the realm of reasoning, they've got to try to reason it out. Well, you know, it's happening because of this, or it's happening because of that, and I don't understand this, and I don't understand that. Because I can't reason it, because I can't understand it, then I'm just going to quit. You can't do that. How many, you know, how many of you know, you know, I... God's given me the ability to fix things, and I like to fix things. And there are places you come to where, like, if you know, I could just stop and say, well, I can't do this. But you never give up, right? You never stop. You keep going, you keep going. So you, you're trying to figure it out in your own mind, your own human reasoning, what's happening. And, you're, and it perplexes you, it, it makes you where you can't understand. And it delays what's going on can delay that belief, can delay that victory that's going to happen. You know, we can't ever give up. We can't ever be to the point where we just stop serving God. Man, so many times in our lives we come to those places and we can allow the enemy to destroy us. 
We can allow those things to stop us. And I want to say this. Just because they may be changed and altered and you may give up at that point, that doesn't mean you can't ever come back. But it gets harder. Right? You know, maybe you just say, I was quitting, I'm going to quit. And six months later, you're like, I didn't really mean to quit. But there's a road back that's not easy, right? There's a, a way back, a road back that's not easy. You know, you have to know something about something to believe it, right? You have to know a little something about it, right? But you don't have to understand it. We had to know about believing in Jesus and he died on the cross and it saved our sins, but we don't have to necessarily understand how it worked and why, right? I mean, Jesus, you know, when I think about it, I understand why he even loved me. Why, why would he do such a thing? And how could that really work? You know, we, we can't, we don't have to understand everything in our, in our finite natural mind, right? I mean, when you think about um, accepting Christ, you think about, you know, you, you can't understand that in your own mind. And that's what people, a lot of people do wrong. They try to understand it before they try to believe it. And it don't work that way. You got to believe it, and then you just under, you know what you end up understanding? You understand that God did what he did when he did it. I don't know how he saved me, but he did it. I mean, I know what it says, but how could that work in the natural? It would just blow your mind. A big part of what faith is is not understanding and yet believing. <laughs> I don't understand it, but I believe it. Most of us don't understand how these lights work. Most of us don't understand how air conditioning works, but we believe it, right? Or heat. Most of us don't understand how a water heater works, but we believe it because when you ain't got it, it's rough, right? You, you, you ever taken a cold shower because you stepped in and you didn't have any hot water? I say prepare yourself. I always turn the sink on, stick my hand on it, and make sure it's hot before I get in. A big part of what faith is, not understanding it, yet believing it. And you know what? It's a choice. It's a choice to believe or not to believe. It's a choice to trust God or not trust God. It's a choice to, to have strong faith or not have strong faith, Right? That's a choice that we all have to make. We have to decide, am I going to do this or am I not? You know, when you accept a job, you make a choice. Am I going to believe this? Am I not? Am I going to do this job or am I not? Am I going to, uh, it's a choice. You know, even when you have the talent to do something. So you have the talent to, to um, whatever it might be. You have a talent to work on things, but you just make a choice. I'm not going to do it because what if I do it? You know, we have to make a choice and we have to step out in faith on things and on a lot of things. But, but you know, we, we have to make a choice whether we're going to try it or not. Well, God, you told me you want me to do it, but, you know, I, I don't have everything I need. Well, he'll give you what you need as you go along. Amen. He'll give you what you need to do it. You know, in Romans in the 14th chapter, it talks about, um, they're talking about 
should I eat this or should I eat, not eat this? What if it does this? What if it does that? You have, verse 23 says this, And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eat, eateth not of faith, for whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Other words, you got to know, you got to not doubt in your heart that that's what you're supposed to do. Because if you do it doubting, it says it's sin. And if you have doubts about it, it's probably not going to come out too good, right? I'm trying to, to relate that to just practical things, you know. Say you're at a traffic light, stoplight, it's on red. And you can right turn on red legally here, right? And you look down the road and you're trying to figure out, have I got room enough to make it before you see a car? Can I make it before the car gets here or can I not? And see, what doubt is you're sitting there talking about it, talking about it, and you say, well, I guess I'll try it. And then you waited too late, right? You doubted you waited too late. Instead of when you first saw it, I think I can make it. I know I can. Let's go. But if you wait too late, you might get hit. You know, there are all kinds, as we're talking about pressure and obstacles that come in our way, you know, we can, some people let the smallest thing stop them. Right? This morning, Peggy and I get ready to leave the house at, what time was it? Quarter to six, maybe, something like that. And we leave the house, come around the curb and get down here, and there's a, a big limb out of a tree all the way across the road. It had broken in half. So I stopped and Peggy said, what you going to do? I said, I'm going to move it. The only other choice is go way around somewhere and come way back. And I thought, well, you know, there are other people that will be coming up and they might not see it. So I went out and threw one on this side and one on that side and took off. <laughs> we could have let that stop us. We could have stood there and talked about it and doubted it. And I could have doubted that I could have picked it up or not. It was only about that big around, so it wasn't that heavy. Um, and I was like, you know, I could have done that but I just moved it out of the way and we came on didn't lose five minutes so it's a choice it's a choice we have a choice to make whether we're going to allow pressure pushing squeezing influencing and try uh, and, and arts acts of persuasion to stop us or not are we going to allow that to destroy us are we going to allow that to alter who we are Are we going to allow it to crush us? <laughs> As I said again, I'm going to close out right here. You cannot control what comes against you, but you can control what gets inside of you. I don't know how I ever thought like that. Yeah, you do. You might have forgotten it, but somehow or another you allowed something inside of your mind and your brain that you shouldn't have. Right? You know, um, God has given us all the measure of faith. We talked about that a little bit last week. 
And we have to strengthen that, right? We have to strengthen that in us. We, as I said, we have to make our, we have to have strong faith. And we strengthen that by getting in his word and by experience and example. So as Paul was saying, we do that even though stuff is pressing against us, we keep moving. We keep going towards that place that we need to go. Even though there's some resistance and there's pressure. You know, most things, when an airplane gets ready to take off, there's resistance. There's gravity holding that thing down. There is pressure. There's wind. There's all kinds of things that happen. But that pilot keeps going until it takes off, right? Overcomes that. The same with a... With a car, there's resistance for it to go forward. If you don't believe that, get out and try to push one, especially coming up a hill. There's resistance there, right? A boat, there's resistance in that way. You think, well, you can just glide across the water. Well, there's resistance there. There's the weight of the boat. There's all kinds of things. You got to keep pushing. And as I said, it's, it's our choice. It's your choice whether or not you want to Go forward in him. It's your choice whether or not you want to be an overcomer or not. You want to be a victor or not. You want to have strong faith or not. It's up to you. You can't blame anybody else. Well, so-and-so didn't say the right thing to me. That, ain't, that, that don't fly. It's not going to change who you are. The only thing that's going to make you go forward and change who you are is you. And you get in line with what God's Word says. It's your choice. It's your choice. We, we had to make a choice to accept Christ, right? It's your choice to how far you're going to go in that. How, how, how much of a, of, a, of a victorious life you're going to live here on earth. It's your choice, right? There used to be a um, song a friend of mine wrote back in the 70s. It was called, You Gotta Decide. Do you want him as your Lord or not? It's up to you. You've got to decide. We have to decide how far we're going in Christ, right? We have to make a choice of where we're going. Amen. Let's stand this morning. You know, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of pressure sometimes in your life. And some of you may think, well, look, well, Pastor Bill, you just don't understand all the pressure. I probably don't. But you know what? All of us have that coming into us. You don't understand the pressure that I might have. But you know what? We make a choice. Am I going to stand up, stand on God's Word, and am I gonna, I'm going to push through it, or am I just going to sit down? and let it overcome me. We have to make that choice. You know, every day, sometimes just to get out of bed, we have to make that choice. Am I going to get out of bed this morning or am I just going to lay here? There are plenty of days where I wish I could just lay here for a little while and just not do anything. Am I going to push myself to get up and go do what I got to do? How many times do you think Paul and those thought about that? You know, Paul could have been, well, you know, just let him, go ahead and let him take my life and I'll be with you and it'll be better. But they couldn't do that because they knew what God had called them to do and they had to press through it. 
You know, Paul, in the end, when Paul, when he knew it was time, he said, I've ran my race. I've done what God wants me to do. So I'm ready to go. How many people have I talked to that were near that point in their life? And they were like, you know, I've had someone look at me and say, you know, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm ready. And you know what I tell them? You do what you want to do. It's your life. And if you're ready, go ahead. Some people, oh, why would you say that? Because that's what they wanted. You didn't pray that they would live? No. Because I had to hook my faith up with theirs. Now, they'd live a fulfilled life. Most of them I'm talking about older and whatever. But So only think about that today and this whole week. Go back through these notes. And next week, we'll finish it up. Strong faith. How many of you want strong faith this morning? If you do, raise your hands. I want strong faith. I do, too. I want mine to be stronger than it was yesterday or even today. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy and for your strength. Lord, I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Father, we want to be strong people for you. We want to have strong faith that we don't succumb to what the world has to say, but we keep going till you say it's time. So, Father, we thank you for that this morning. Lord, I pray that your power and your anointing be upon your people this morning. We lift all those up this morning, Father God, that are maybe struggling in life. Maybe there's those that are sick, those that are hurt. We lift them up to you, Father God. We lift all of them up to you this morning. Lord, we pray that you just give them peace and you give us peace, Lord. Father, I thank you, God. Be with the youth as they're traveling back home. Father, I pray that they receive something this weekend that will challenge them, Father God. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for your word and your truth. We ask you for this day, Lord Jesus, that you, you would... Um, be with us, Father God, in every part. We speak life. We speak health. We speak love. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much. You know what? I don't thank everybody for just continuing to pray and to be strong. Let's, let's just pray these. Everybody, we need to get everybody healthy and back in here that need to be healthy and back in here. We got to believe for that. We got to believe that God is doing some great and mighty stuff, and we're going to be a part of it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Um, Darren, you got an announcement you want me to just say something? I, we got a couples weekend coming up. What the date of it? The 20... September. Look, we, look out there, you'll see it. Um, sorry, it just slipped my mind. The 25th or something like that. But anyway... Great brother in the Lord and friend of mine and his wife. Two weeks, 23rd of September. 23rd, not two weeks, a month. But the 23rd of September, we want to give you plenty. We're going to have a Friday night.